Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. This will once again be a potpourri episode, and these are the topics I want to hit. The matchup between number one pick Cade Cunningham and number two pick Jalen Green early impressions of Brad Stevens as a GM, and the outrage over Jason Kidd and how he coached the Bucks, as detailed in a newly released book about Giannis Antetokounmpo. First to the Cade Jalen show we saw the other night at the Las Vegas Summer League. Sometimes, I'll admit it, I can't help myself. I watch an event and I wander over to social media to see what the general reaction is to what just happened. I know I probably shouldn't, it's not good for me, I'm not gonna learn anything, but sometimes I can't resist. Now, I don't know if my account has exclusive access to Jalen Green's fans, but I couldn't believe anyone would possibly come away from that game thinking the Pistons made a mistake in taking Cunningham over Green. Anybody with an objective view, anyway. Jalen, as we all know, has a chip on his shoulder because he spent the year in the G League and he believes that he deserved to be the number one pick, which I have no problem with. But if you're going to channel the energy from that chip, you have to channel it correctly. And he came out channeling his inner Russ Westbrook, going... 900 miles an hour and not even thinking about letting the game come to him. He was going to make a point. 
And what he wound up doing was being a mess for the first six minutes of the game. While Cunningham, aggressive and composed, and basically undressed him. And so when it comes to building a team, there's no question who I'd take, at least based off of what we saw for this one game, and at least as far as a point guard. The, the debate would only be if I needed a scorer, a pure scorer, because I am blown away by Green's shooting accuracy. Free throw or three, I didn't see the ball touch the rim in the game against the Pistons. And he gets it off quick, and he's got that constantly on the hunt for a bucket vibe. I like all that. It's I don't want to make the comparison. A certain guy who played for the Lakers and wore two different numbers who gave me that same vibe when I saw him for the first time in Summer League. Even though, even then though, if it was just as a scorer, it wouldn't be clear-cut that you'd take Green over Cunningham because that's pretty much all Green does or at least all he seemed interested or capable of doing in that game. The two guarded each other, which was a nice treat, because we often don't see that when it comes to two high-profile players. It was also revealing. Green did a lot of scoring either when Cade was on the bench or in transition or after he was fouled by somebody else. Cade, meanwhile had no problem getting by Green or juking him out of his shoes with a pump fake. I don't know if Green was a poor defender in the G League or if Cade is just another level of shifty, but he consistently got Green leaning or jumping the wrong way. And after making a couple of initial statements, this was the best part. Cade stopped looking for his own shot. It was almost as if he thought, let me show you what else I can do. Let me show my teammates what else I can do. That's the thought of a guy who's already planning to be the leader. Now, there are guys who set a back screen, for example, because that's what the play calls for them to do. But they don't really care if the back screen achieves the intended purpose, because if it doesn't, chances are, if they're the star, it means the ball is now coming back to them. They put in marginal effort. Then there are guys who relish the chance to set a back screen, invite the contact, and are committed to springing their teammate and thereby making the play work. John Stockton is the first one that comes to mind for me because he's the first one that I saw who was a little guy who nonetheless just seemed to have an appetite for doing it, no matter how hard he might get cracked. You can see that kind of player as they approach their target, trying to size up the best angle to take and making their bodies as wide as they can, well, as, as they can get away with. Show me a star who sets a screen looking like he's standing in a phone booth, and I'll show you a guy who thinks it's beneath him to set an effective screen. Which is a mistake, because screens pay dividends for the screener in a multitude of ways. But it's playing the long game. The star who is an eager screen setter knows that a, he's not going to be asked to set that many screens. But if the ones he does set are good, then chances are his teammates, who are going to be setting far more screens for him, are going to give their best effort 
to give him good ones. Besides, players as far back as Reggie Miller have understood that the screener is often the beneficiary when the two defenders don't communicate because it's far more likely that if they overreact, they're both going to be overreacting and trying to stop the guy coming off the screen, leaving the screener all by himself for an open J. That was Cade. He set screens away from the ball to get his bigs open and then made effective entry passes to give them a chance to go to work on the block. He also swung the ball at times, even though he had a look at the hoop, and even though he proved he could get to the rim anytime he wanted, could finish with contact, could knock down threes himself. He's a split second slower than Green getting his three-point shot off, but only by a hair, and he's solid in shooting it. If he missed it, it was long or short. And that's always the sign of a good shooter, or at least somebody with good, solid form. And he made four of nine. Here's the bottom line. Cade Cunningham was the right choice for the Pistons. Jalen Green could wind up being a great fit next to John Wall, especially since the latter will do more of the decision-making, and Green can just concentrate on what he clearly has a magnificent gift for, which is putting the ball in the hoop. Wall may even be able to teach him that slow is pro, as in picking your spots to go 900 miles an hour is far more effective than redlining all the time. And it never hurts to go 800 miles an hour. Especially since Wall had to make the same discovery and is far more effective for having done so. All right, so it's very early. But so far, Brad Stevens has impressed me as a GM. Now, it makes sense, and I probably should have seen this coming, in that there are a few coaches I've seen, well, there are a few coaches I've seen that are as buttoned up as Brad. I want to compare him to Rick Carlisle, but Rick's move to Indiana reflects something I've always known about him, which is that behind that big brain and generally unflappable expression, there is a very sensitive human being. I assure you, Rick did not like being portrayed by the Athletic as someone so desperate to keep his job, he willingly let Luka Doncic walk all over him. Man has way too much pride for that. If he wasn't already planning on leaving Dallas, which I'd had some indications that he was, then that would have sealed the deal. I'm not saying Stevens is insensitive, but he seems to be particularly adept at compartmentalizing his feelings and not taking anything too personally. Those are important elements to have, attributes to have as a GM. I'll never forget seeing him walk out of the locker room in casual slacks and shirt sleeves wearing a, a tidy backpack. It was, it was casual wear, but everything was just like clean and perfect. It was Celtics... If it was Celtics issue, uh, the backpack that is, there were no visible logos. He looked like an undergrad at Boston U, but the kind that is both pre-med and pre-law. And that approach, as I said, will serve him well as a GM. A listener asked in a review a while back if Stevens' move to the front office was a shrewd one because NBA coaches are treated the same, wondering if, if NBA coaches are treated the same as MLB managers, in that the front office and analytics department are dictating many of their coaching decisions. The short answer, 
Yes, absolutely. You can throw in the medical staffs as well who are telling coaches who can practice and who can't, who can play, and how many minutes they're available. But I don't think that's why Brad moved to the front office because his hands were tied as, as a coach. He, if I'm not mistaken, has a young family. And the grind of travel with an NBA team uh, is, is difficult. It's essentially why I moved off of being on the road all the time covering the NBA. My sense is also that Danny was, as he has suggested, truly burned out. Reflected in comments that came off as out of touch. When Kyrie Irving said there were racist undertones to his treatment by Boston fans, Ainge came out and feigned ignorance to Boston fans ever expressing any racism, which caught everyone and anyone remotely connected with the NBA by surprise. One, because Ainge had spent an incredibly long time with the organization, both as a player and executive, and anyone who has been to the arena or spent any time in Boston has run across people spewing racist comments or attitudes. Whether it's more or less than several other NBA cities I can name is a debate for another time. But Boston has a reputation that has been earned. Make no mistake about that. If only by a certain segment of loud, obnoxious fans. Because they're loud. Two, it also made Ainge look as if he couldn't read the room. The sensitivity to racial issues and social justice has never been higher, especially among NBA players. One of his own players, Jalen Brown, had been particularly vocal in his demand for change after the death of George Floyd in Minnesota, had participated in uh, marches. Between that and Anthony Davis's father calling Ainge out for his treatment of Isaiah Thomas and saying he'd never let his son play in Boston because of it, Ainge was looking as if he'd alienated himself from who he once considered the only people in the league that really mattered, and that was the players. And when you have that kind of reputation, your ability to acquire or attract free agents is not where you want it to be. Stevens played his cards perfectly in landing Schroeder, who is exactly what they need at point guard. An elite defender who is enough of a threat to get to the rim or hit a three that he demands attention, but isn't the kind of ball-dominant point guard that will get in the way of Jason Tatum and Brown. He worked pretty well alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis as the featured offensive weapons, even though the two of them were not there for a healthy part of the season. When they were there, Schroeder didn't have a problem being effective in his role. The fact that Stevens was able to get off the onerous contract of Kemba Walker and get something they need in return, a big man in Al Horford, albeit an older big man, but one who's already familiar with the Boston culture, is another good sign. It cost Stevens a first-round pick, but the Celtics have more than enough of them. One legit criticism of Ainge is that he stockpiled picks and trade exceptions, but never did anything with them, leaving Stevens to try to incorporate one wave of brand new players after another. Stevens demonstrated on the Horford deal that he's ready and willing to spend those precious picks. And with Schroeder, he stayed quiet and waited out the market. 
That's not how Danny Ainge ever operated. With Ainge in charge, we no doubt would have heard rumors about how the Celtics were interested in Lonzo Ball and Chris Paul and any other free agent point guard on the market, which might have made the Schroeder signing look like a consolation prize as opposed to a coup. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Last item I want to hit is the outrage over Jason Kidd and how he handled the Milwaukee Bucks when he was their head coach, according to an excerpt from a rele- uh, recently released book on Yantis Antetokounmpo. It details an incident where the players were supposed to take off for Christmas vacation, but after a desultory performance, he made them stay and put them through several hard practices and even grilled a couple of guys, Zaza Pachulia and Jared Dudley, in the locker room in saying, do you guys think we deserve to go on vacation? Or do you think we should, go, we should practice after the way we played? And it also detailed how he browbeat Larry Sanders and accuses him of essentially driving Sanders into early retirement. Portrays Jason Kidd as a guy who plays mind games, which I will tell you, yeah, that's, that's in Jason's vernacular. He plays mind games. Uh, I, I'm not sure that I know of a head coach who doesn't. Some of them in a more subtle subtle way, but again, if you've been around the NBA, the, the methods and the madness of head coaches, these anecdotes about Jason Kidd, they don't stand out in particular. The thought that canceling Christmas uh, or Christmas, tri- Christmas trip plans in a business as highly competitive and performance-based as the NBA, which plays its season through Christmas, on Christmas, to think of all that as abusive is laughable to me. Anyone who had that reaction has never worked a day in a truly competitive business or spent any time around the NBA. I was actually surprised to read that the players were being given enough time to go somewhere on vacation with their families for Christmas. That is usually reserved exclusively for the All-Star break. This is what happens when you pull back the curtain and let people know how professional sports really work. I just spoke the other day with a former employee of the Golden State Warriors. He was telling me how, as far as he knew during his time there, He had only one real adversary in the franchise, one person who he knew would love to see him get canned. But when he had a conversation with the GM one day, he discovered that there were six or seven people out to get him. And he was shocked. He thought, I treat everyone well and everyone treats me well. I I, I always thought I was getting along with everyone. Never having an inkling that there were people, except for that one person, 
that he crossed paths with that were out to get him. The GM, fortunately, essentially told that employee's enemies, is he doing his job? Oh, he is? Then get out of my office. Let me know when he's not doing his job. My point being, NBA teams are viper pits. And depending on who you have watching your back or don't is going to determine, one, what you're able to do and where you can draw the line. The difference between being in the NBA and not being in the NBA is razor thin. And the difference between the NBA lifestyle and working in basketball anywhere else is fathoms. I have conversations with people in the league all the time complaining that there are people in their organizations who are just working to protect their jobs. Not necessarily to do their jobs, but to protect their jobs. People do whatever they can to stay in the NBA. And if they see someone who may be a threat to replace them or get them replaced, they won't hesitate to take that person down first. Get or get got, as they said in The Wire. Kid's treatment of Sanders or the team could be considered brutal, but again, not all that extraordinary. The outrage that I heard, I'm going to chalk up to fans or people who don't understand that when you hold a job that pays you millions, the demands are a little different. The pressure and the tension are a little higher because the rewards are too. Those scenes from The Wolf of Wall Street might or might not have been dramatizations of what goes on in the stock trading industry. I'm going to venture to guess that they weren't the figment of anybody's imagination, but just maybe... I don't know, outsized a little bit. But I've heard stories, and I can tell you firsthand, I've heard stories and seen behavior while covering the NBA that mirrors it. When I read that Kidd made the players run in the pool, even though some of them don't know how to swim, I knew someone had an agenda and the author fell for it. The water in NBA team pools used to do aerobic training, only comes up to the sternum of anyone over six feet. For basketball players, there's no threat of drowning or needing to swim. What bothered me is that some commenters parlayed Kidd's treatment of Sanders as the natural reflection of someone who beats his wife. You can go back to my episode on that subject concerning Kidd to find out the details of why that portrayal of him is way over the top and completely unfair. I know that me saying it on a podcast or whatever the truth may be isn't going to stop people from just unilaterally throwing it out there. But it is such a vicious accusation. My feeling is you better, you better have it nailed. Like, you, it better be right. To casually call somebody that, to me, is unconscionable. And I'm okay with anyone who doesn't think Kid is a good coach. Although, going to the playoffs three times in five years is way above the standard. It's the character assassination on negligible evidence or information. That's more than I'm willing to take without speaking up. And so I have. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. 
Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, well, this is generally where I tell you what's going to be coming in the next episode or what I'm hoping to have in the next episode. I'm not 100% sure right now. It may be the recent survey of GMs who said that if it was a winner-take-all one game, they would still pick LeBron James first among all the players in the league. I am not so sure about that and have reasons for that, but I don't know if that's where we want to go in the next episode. So we'll have to see what turns up as far as free agency, summer league, and I'll take a long look at some of the teams that we have yet to discuss who have made significant moves during this offseason. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.